This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunas All back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you live from the TGT Stadium. Thank you so much for making this part of your morning routine as always. And to our loyal listeners that have been tuning in ever since the start of course too. Good morning. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Let's say morning to people joining us in the chat box. Good morning to Paul and to Matt G and to Morgie. Hope you're doing good, guys. Alpha and Lee, good morning. Odorile, Kaiser, Jose, Martin, Ozzy, Guna, uh, Olu and Paul as well, of course, as well. And as Paul says, don't forget to drop a like on the video. We did it. We got the turkey, as we've said. Three morning shows, over a 1,000 likes on each one. Thank you so much for helping that be possible. Can we make it four is the question. Can we do it? Can we reach the magic number four? There's nothing magic about the number four. I've just completely made that up in an attempt to lull you into a full sense of liking security. But I hope it works. Uh, Before we crack on with today's stories, I want to send Lee Judges some well wishes. Hope that he uh, finds a speedy recovery uh, from his surgery that he's just gone through. Uh, And of course, we wish Dan Potts some well wishes and a speedy recovery from the state of mind that he finds himself in every single morning regarding Mikel Arteta. Uh, Good morning, everybody else, though. Hope you're doing good. Let's crack on with today's stories. As always, we kick off with the Arsenal way. Make sure you subscribe. We'll be live over there at 10 a.m. Joined by the usual suspects to talk even more about Arsenal. Link, as always, is in the link tree in the description. And at six o'clock this evening, I'll be joined by our members from the Discord server to talk through Arsenal's next fixture tomorrow against Leicester City. Some exciting stuff to discuss, some lineups to talk about, and some predictions to go through, and some injury news updates as well, of which we'll talk a little bit about in today's show. Our first story, however, is Bellerin. Bellerin, despite the fact, has been in constant chat with uh, Real Betis. Supposedly, according to Mundo Deportivo, he has now been offered by Arsenal to Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona, of course, missing out on Cesar Azpilicueta are in the market for a potential right-back. 
that said, as Blaquetta comes across to me very much like a right-sided centre-back in a back three is his best role, but still, they supposedly want a right-back, and Bellerin is said to be one of those players that they could be interested in getting hold of for a very cheap fee. How they would register him, I don't know, but to be honest, with what Barcelona have done and the witchcraft they've used this summer, anything is possible at this stage. Pablo Marie officially left Arsenal yesterday to join up with Monza. Uh, it is a deal that we'll see him join on loan with an obligation to buy should Monza manage to stay in Serie A. Uh, the figure is expected to be in the region of five to seven million euros. A decent fee, but still a loss on what Arsenal ultimately bought the player for from Flamengo not so long ago, back in 2020. Kieran Tierney is receiving plenty of interest now as well from Manchester City. Uh, of course, Arsenal took Alexander Zinchenko away from Man City. And now there's potential interest in City trying to bring in our potential replacement for Zinchenko, should he ever get injured or if there's ever an issue. And of course, they're going to rotate this season. How real this is? I'm not sure at the moment. I'm not surprised that a lot of big teams like Real Madrid, who previously have also been linked with a move for Tierney, that the likes of City are monitoring him. Um, but for me, no, I, I just don't think uh, that's going to be happening this summer anywhere close to what you'd expect to be uh, realistic at this stage. You know, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I could see it happening in the future, but not this summer. Arsenal have no intention to sell. He's on a long-term contract that was only signed think a year ago, uh, it would take a monumental figure uh, if we were ever going to consider selling Kieran Tierney at this stage. And it would force Arsenal again back into the market, which they don't want to do. Moving forwards, Gabriel has spoken about his future. He was speaking specifically about kind of being linked with Juventus. You probably all remember those links uh, with Juve at the start of the window. When he was asked about that, he said, it's always nice to get that recognition, but I'm really focused on Arsenal. I'm very happy here. I've got a good relationship with my teammates and I'm fully committed to the project. The project, even Gabriel <laughs> referencing the project that is Arsenal Football Club under Mikel Arteta. Obviously, we talked and discussed this back in uh, early kind of June, July period. Always very confident Gabriel would remain with the club. He's happy here. And to be honest, if Arsenal get back into the Champions League, comparatively to Juventus, their project, as he's described it, could even be more attractive than the Italian sides considering the amount of competition they find themselves in in both Serie A and Europe. And they have struggled to kind of move on with Massimiliano Allegri, haven't really been able to recapture the form they used to have under him under his previous tenure. So I, if I was a player, and certainly Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League, we're looking at either Juventus or Arsenal. I think Arsenal present themselves as the better project right now and look a lot better set up as well to tackle the new season. Uh, now, bad news, unfortunately, for Reese Nelson. News broke by James Benj yesterday that he has picked up an injury in training that is set to keep him out for at least two months. Now, this is obviously cataclysmic for any kind of exit this summer. Arsenal would have been hoping to move him on, either on loan with an extension or permanently. That looks next to impossible at this stage, which is a very, very frustrating situation to find ourselves in with Nelson. He wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have got us a, a serious figure, I don't think. He also could have been a bit of an asset during those early Europa League group stage fixtures or the early cup games. Could have been an asset for rotation if he was going to stay. And now he won't have that. He did post to his Instagram page uh, a message as well, talking about being back soon, hopefully. But two months out at this stage when the window is closing, 
Worst case scenario for Reese Nelson. Absolutely worst case scenario for him. Now, Brendan Rodgers didn't talk at all about Yuri Tielemans. However, what he did do is talk quite a bit about Arsenal. And I really enjoyed listening to this. You can actually go and watch Brendan Rodgers' press conference over on the Arsenal way if you want to. But on Arsenal, he said, Arsenal have gone to a new level with three players who have come into the team. Saliba is a talented player. He's gone away and got really good experience. And you see him. He's quick. He can dominate. He's a fantastic addition and gives them presence at the back. The two guys coming in from Man City have made a difference. They're coming from a world-class environment. Jesus is a world-class striker. You see his hunger and desire. It will elevate other players. Zinchenko can play in a couple of positions to the very highest level. They have given the squad the confidence and has given Mikel the tools to play how he really wants to play and I really enjoyed listening to Rogers. you know I know he's a, a kind of guy that splits opinion and there's a lot of kind of talk about how uh, arrogant and self how much self-belief he has in his own abilities but when he talks about football it is quite an interesting listen at times so hearing kind of break down Arsenal summer was interesting indeed but he didn't talk about Tillemans in what was released from that part of the press conference at least I'm not sure if there was any section that was embargoed that will be released later where he does talk about Tillemans but so far wasn't asked the question uh, in this section of that presser. If that changes, we'll, of course, talk about that at a later stage, probably tomorrow morning. Uh, now, our headline story of the day is Yuri Tielemans's price drop. Now, the Evening Standard has apparently reported that Leicester are willing to accept a lower offer now of £25 million. We broke the news a couple of days ago that Arsenal would be willing to wait all the way through to 2023 and weren't willing to match the £32 million-ish kind of figure that Leicester were initially asking for. But according to my good friend and colleague, Simon Collings, uh, he says that uh, the, the Evening Standard that... The price has now dropped to around the £25 million figure. A very acceptable fee and certainly one Arsenal should, in my view, be very open to offering Leicester to try and get this deal done. We all know that this is a situation we want to see resolved as soon as possible. If it could be resolved today, it means Tillemans won't be involved tomorrow. However, if Tillemans is involved tomorrow, I think that's a pretty sure uh, indication that no bids, no increase in talks, no change on the matter besides a potential change in the price being asked for has differed. If he does play tomorrow, it's not a good look uh, for how Arsenal are progressing with that deal. Uh, you wouldn't imagine Leicester would want to use a player whose eyes are very much elsewhere, especially against the team that he could be joining. So if he plays, I still think we're probably a week or two away from any kind of potential changes in the deal in reality. But things change in football very quickly, and hopefully they do, because I know plenty of people that would love to see Yuri Tielemans join Arsenal this summer. And I think he's a very gettable player for a very reasonable price this summer as well. So let's wait and see what indeed does happen. What we can guarantee is that Yuri Tillemans will be in North London tomorrow. That is for sure. And that completes all of today's stories. We're going to move on to the second half of the show where you guys can throw your questions into the chat box. Um, so we're going to go and do that after this short break. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat. Let's see what you guys have said. VW says, if you were Tillemans, how do you play against us? It's a good question. Um, you play as best as you can. You know, you don't want to show any kind of, um, you don't want to, you want to, you don't really want to show any kind of difference in your performance, really, because from a mental perspective, you want to give the best audition that you can give. 
plenty of players have played against former sides in European competitions and club competitions. That's earned the moves. Think back to Takumi Minamino had a great game against Liverpool in the Champions League for Salzburg and Klopp went, wow, I want this guy and brought him in. So I don't think a bad performance from Tielemans is going to do him any favours. I don't think him helping Arsenal in any way is going to do him any favours. So if he's going to play, he has to play to the absolute utmost of his abilities. That's what I would expect. And that's what I would hope that he would do uh, in, in a sense that, you know, you don't want to see him drop in performance and you want to see him justify why Arsenal are interested in him. Uh, Daniel Roberts says, why was it that on Edu's whiteboard in All or Nothing that Okonkwo was the second goalie with Leno below him? Interesting, isn't it? Uh, I wouldn't read too much into the whiteboards because last season, halfway through it, Saliba was also there, of course, whilst away on loan. There were times I think that Chambers was at the top of the right-back list as well. I wouldn't read too much into the boards. I know it's a, it's cool to kind of look for Easter eggs and you know hidden hints and stuff like that, but I don't think there's too much to read into. Okonko is seen and is a very highly rated goalkeeper. That's why they've sent him on loan this year. Um, and they have hopes that he could potentially come back and fight for a place in the team with Turner for that number two spot potentially next season. Um, but I wouldn't read too much into that one, Dan. Uh, Jack says, what do you mean? How do you play against us? I think that was in re regards to kind of the Tielemans question. You play as well as you can do. It's as simple as that. Matt says, if we could secure Tielemans, what would you rate our window on a scale of one to ten? Probably an eight. Uh, if you can get Tielemans in, that would be six signings. I still felt like that forward position needed to be covered. Uh, and we've done well to move as many players out of the club as we feasibly could do as well. You know, we've got a couple more. Bellerin, uh, Maitland-Niles, Pepe, you know, those players are still here. Uh, Nelson, but he's now got that injury, of course. But we've we've done well, I think, to move the players out that we have done. Tielemans, though, I think takes it up to an eight, brings in that midfielder that I've wanted. But the wide forward position who with that versatility to play in the middle is, for me, very key. And if we don't do that, I don't think it can go higher than eight. For me, uh, let's go to Deep Kundu, who says, uh, do you think Arteta is looking for a left-footed centre-back to replace Marie? Any truth in the Milinkovic bid? Not that I've heard on the second part of the question, so I can't give you any assurance on that. A left-footed centre-back is something that I've said on the channel before. If Marie goes, I think we should be looking to try and bring something in because we haven't got any other option. Everyone else has gone. I know Saliba can play on the left-hand side. I know Tommy Asu could play on the left-hand side, but tactically Arteta loves a left-footer. So without Gabriel, how is that going to affect us playing out from the back? We'll have to wait and see if it turns out to be the case. But I don't think it goes above the centre midfielder or the wide forward kind of priority. So if we do those and not the left-footed centre-back, I'm not particularly going to be too concerned. As I do think that despite, you know, the tactical side of it, Tommy Asu and Saliba give us a left-sided centre-back cover quite significantly. Even holding, you know, plays a lot on the left-hand side and has done in FA Cup finals. So we aren't lacking depth. We're just lacking that specificity uh, of that left-sided spot. Uh, Lee Judges joining us in the chat for that price. It's a no-brainer. Yuri Tillemans, £25 million. Get it done. Uh, Chris is going for a Jesus brace. Let's keep it clean against Leicester City tomorrow. Uh, make sure you tune in, of course, at 6pm this evening for our preview with our members from the Discord server. We'll be talking through predicted scorelines, predicted or rather desired lineups and more chat around the game. Tillemans and, of course, Rogers' decisions about whether or not he's going to sell him as well. 51st President says, Tom, after meeting Xhaka, do you think Tillemans would be able to surpass him in Arteta's starting eleven? Or would he have to wait until Xhaka's contract is done? Uh, nothing in the meeting with Xhaka would have told me any answers to that. It's all going to depend on how both of them perform if Tillemans does, of course, arrive. Uh, is he going to be able to eclipse him in the Arsenal eleven? If he performs better than him, if he's more useful than him, then yes. 
However, as I have said on the show a number of times, I don't think Tillemans is like levels clear of Granit Xhaka at all. And I think there are some games that Xhaka will be more suited to playing in on that left-sided centre midfield role over Yuri Tielemans. I think against certain teams where we're going to have a lot more possession, Tielemans will be great for those in helping us break down the opponents. But, you know, if we're going away to Anfield or City, you know, somewhere like that, I would be more keen on playing someone like Xhaka that gives us a little bit more midfield security. I know you instantly throw back, what about the red cards? What about the mistakes? But I encourage you to go and watch Tielemans play against Spurs at home last season. One of the big reasons why they lost that game in the final few moments he's not the man for me to hunker down and kind of hold that midfield. He's more expressive, he's more dynamic, and I want him in those games where we're going to be more dominant. But when we're out of possession, Tielemans, for me, is just he's underneath what Xhaka can give you for me in those moments. Uh, let's go down a little bit more. Ronald says, Kessier on a free if he cannot be registered. I think too much is being read into this situation. I would be shocked if Barca don't find a way of registering these players. Absolutely shocked. So... I can't say I can speak too much on that and say there's any truth in us being able to get Kessier on a free. Uh, Dave says, with Nelson out, does this accelerate our possibilities in signing a wide forward, giving he won't be registered? I don't, I, I don't. That's an interesting question. Will he be registered? I suppose with the World Cup starting in November, it wouldn't make any sense at all really to register him. But I think the club are always going for a wide player, Dave, where they were trying to find one. Will this make them accelerate those plans? Maybe. But I think they're already interested in, in signing one. So I don't think it changes too much. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, Edu might be waiting till after the match and then bring him in as the atmosphere will be electric at the Emirates. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, won't we, if anything changes. Uh, Jake says, Tom, how do you rate Carlos Cuesta's work with the players? It seems uh, to help a lot, especially with Ben White. Yeah, I think he's a, a character that not many people really knew too much about until watching the All or Nothing series. It was interesting in the conversation with Ramsdale and Xhaka at London Colney that he was. they were both asked about Carlos Cuesta. They were asked about um, what do you think of Carlos Cuesta's kind of impact individually because in the documentary it said that he's an independent development coach. I think that's right. Um, but they were like, he's just a coach. Um, and I don't think they were too – I don't think Ramsdale in particular was too aware of his one-on-one -on -one work with certain players. Xhaka was more aware of it. But, yeah, they were like, he's just kind of a coach. But – in the documentary, it does make it seem like he does a lot more one-on-one -on -one work than perhaps happens in reality. Um, it, we might not have shown enough. Ramsdale may not even know about it. He's not even spoken to in that way. But yeah, I, I've rated a lot of the one-on-one -on -one work. It's important when those things happen. You know, you want someone you can go and speak to and one that you can get that kind of one-on-one -on -one feedback. We've seen it from Steve Round with Lacazette. We've seen it with Albert Stuvenberg with Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, all of these people are doing one-on-one -on -one sessions and Arteta's really big and into the one-on-one -on -one stuff. You see him having conversations one-on-one -on -one with players on the training field. You've all seen the pictures of him sitting on the ball with another player also sitting on another ball. So he does that a lot. So one-on-one -on -one work is really key at Arsenal at the moment. Smith-Rowe in particular has received a lot of help because confidence-wise, he needs to step things up. He needs to come out of his shell a lot more. Very shy player. Um, and those one-on-one -on -one sessions work a lot. But yeah, Carlos Costa seems to be doing a good job from what we've seen, but I can't speak from anything outside of the uh, the episodes. Uh, Timo Pesce's thoughts on the uh, All or Nothing new episodes. I, I will talk about them. You've had a day to watch them, so spoilers ahead. Uh, I thought the Abamyang situation was covered in a very interesting fashion. Uh, I agree with a couple of my peers that I was talking to uh, about this, that it was strange that we didn't really see too much reaction from the players on that that was a bit of a strange one but from what they did show it was interesting uh the conversation between Arteta and Mark Ganella uh, after a press conference where Arteta is kind of saying about the documentation of all of the events 
That's a good example of showing how many things there really were that Aubameyang did wrong. And he, re I found it a bit strange, strange, shocking. I'm surprised they included it. A comment about how much money Aubameyang's on. They were very clear in using that in in the in the I say script. You know what I mean in the, in the audio that they've used um, for the series. So. That was intriguing. Beyond that, though, you know, there were some more uh, interesting tactics from Arteta, the bunny and or the rabbit and the and the duck. I kind of like that because um, I completely understand kind of the theory behind it, how one thing, one image can show two things. And you've got to get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet and seeing the same image, even though what you're teaching could have more than one outcome. You've got to try and get people to see the same thing. And that's how you're going to get the maximum output from your team. So I get the theory. Some of them are a bit odd. We had the, the hand rubbing situation. In the next episode, we've got a light bulb thing that's coming. You know, they are going to draw criticism. They are going to raise eyebrows. They are going to cause a little bit of stirring uh, of the pot, if you like. It, you will struggle. You will really struggle to find managers that don't use left field kind of tactics like that, especially when you consider we've got a very young team. And Harry was pointing this out to me this morning. You know, we've got, we've got a very young team, lots of different languages. Sometimes you have to simplify things and get people to understand a simple universal language, which is more to do with kind of um, quality, qualitative kind of teaching rather than quantitative. And showing people through actions and shapes and signs and stories, you know, can sometimes be much more beneficial than using words or numbers. Um but yeah, we'll see if anything else changes throughout the rest of the series. But it's been an enjoyable one. I think episodes four to six were definitely better than the first three. Uh, Jack says, what do you think about the Gakpo links to United? I'm aware he's the guy you want. I, no, I like Gakpo. I think he's a good player. He's a guy of many that I think would be really beneficial to Arsenal. Um, but if you're not in him, that doesn't really concern me. Because to be honest, you know, they've got they've got a lot of wide players. Rashford and Alanga and Sancho. I don't know why they're trying to sign uh, a Gakpo. It doesn't make too much sense. Other than the fact he's never an easy player that maybe will work better with Ten Hag, but it makes little sense to me. Uh, Manu says, what player slash staff changed your opinion on him slash her the most in Amazon series? Good question. You know, obviously Arteta, I have, you know, been very, very open to seeing what he's capable of doing. It's not really changed my mind on him. It's strengthened the position I think I have on him. Uh, Josh Kroenke was interesting. Edu was interesting. Steve, um, Richard Garlic is also an interesting character that I didn't really know too much about and listened to some of the things that he said. Um, but to be honest, probably Edu of, of all. Now we've seen those last three episodes, which had a lot of more impetus on Edu. I was also disappointed that there was nothing on, nothing said, nothing talked about regarding the lack of incomings. That was completely skipped over. Um, no, you know, it was talked about like in terms of there was like radio commentary and uh, and YouTuber commentary about kind of well, you know, Arsenal haven't signed anyone. Surely they've got to sign someone. But from inside the club, that was never covered at all, which I thought was a bit odd to be honest. That they just completely skipped over it. But maybe they just didn't want to tackle it. But uh, yeah, that was that was a frustration I think for a lot of people because we didn't sign anyone in January and we definitely definitely should have done. Uh, Yugang says, Tom, still chance of getting a wide forward and into mid this window. What percentage would you put for that? I know that you hate the crystal balls. Uh, apologies. Uh, look, 50-50. If you get 50-50 on both, I'd say 60 to 70% chance of getting one. Um, I'm fairly confident we'll get one more, but 50-50 on, on two more. I, 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 Yeah, that could go either way at this stage. That is decreasing with every week, though, that goes through. 
let's go to let's scroll down. I realized that if I don't scroll down, I end up bulking up questions. Uh, let's scroll to Rail, who says, uh, Hi, TC. Our mental fragility was a big reason we didn't make top four last season. Do we work with psychologists to strengthen this area? The club will have psychologists and sports psychologists and counsellors and, yeah, lots of people dealing with the mental side within the club. I have no doubt about that. Um, most coaches are trained and get training on the mental side of things and psychological things while you do sports science and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely the mental side will be a huge part of what Arsenal try and do. Uh, Matt says, do you think Nuno has the mentality to go where we want him to? So far, he seems struggling mentally. Look, he's a young guy that's moved to a country where it's completely new to him. He does speak English to a decent level, um, but it's still going to be difficult. Him now going to France, another country, that's going to be a great experience. It's a case of kind of trial by fire, if you like. If he succeeds in France, I think he's got a great chance of succeeding at Arsenal next season and beyond. I hope he succeeds because I think there's a potential player in there. Um Manu says, who is Ganella? Uh, Mark Ganella, he's the, the head of communications uh, and relationships and stuff like that. That's that's kind of his role. Uh, he's the guy that sits next to Arteta in the press conferences and things like that. So he's in charge of kind of communications and uh, what goes out kind of publicly and stuff like that. There's a lot more to his job. I'm underselling him. But uh, in a nutshell, uh, that's kind of the, what he he does. Uh, he's very sweary, says uh, Bruce. Mikel Arteta is. Yeah. So was Pep. I mean, you can see a lot of Pep in Arteta during the series, and that, that comes across a lot uh, during the series. Uh, Jake says, Tom, did you see how Sky Sports framed the spending of Arsenal at the top versus Chelsea at the top? Arsenal spending equals pressure. Chelsea spending equals a statement. <laughs> yeah, you, you know how the game works at this stage. You know how it works. Uh, Sophie, make sure if you aren't subscribed to the hybrid squad that you go and do that. I haven't read a comment yet. I might be taking that back in a second. Nobody has said enough to say minds have been changed. Players are too quiet. Has Odegaard said anything yet? <laughs> no, not in the series. They've not shown him saying anything as of yet. I think, to be fair, he did do an interview in the first episode. Or I think the first and fourth, I think there's an interview of him in both of those, but not in the dressing room. I've not seen anything. I hope that changes. I really, really hope that changes. Uh, let's go to Paul, who says, hi, Tom. Uh, this is more of a random question. I have coming from a place of nativity. Nativity? Do you mean naivety? I mean, I'd love to get into the Christmas spirit, Paul, but <laughs> maybe it's going from a place of naivety. Uh, random question about the benefit of inverted wingers. Uh, interesting. Benefit of inverted wingers. So to me, tactically, what an inverted winger allows you to do, not only, of, of course, cutting inside and making them more unpredictable with, with defenders at times, they're more skillful tend to be. It's actually an inverted winger is really good for the fullback being an offensive asset to your team. Fullbacks don't tend to be inverted. It's very unusual that you see a right-footed left-back or a left-footed right-back. Pep started to bring that in with Joao Cancelo, of course, but Cancelo is pretty good with both feet, so it does work. And it's a different style of fullback situation. So giving you an example, and our left-footed right winger, so runs up the right wing, usually when Arsenal are building up on the right-hand side, their fullback will be overlapping. Less so of Tommy Asu, but certainly when we had Cedric, certainly when we had Bellerin, certainly when we had Ainsley Maitland-Niles, this was the case. On the left-hand side, say it's a right-footed left winger like Martinelli. If Tierney is running up the left-hand side or Smith-Rowe is the left winger or whatever, you've got a right-footer that when that left-back runs past and under-overlaps them, close to the touchline, 
their stronger foot can reverse a ball straight towards the touchline for the fullback to run onto. So the benefit of having an inverted winger is it makes those overlaps of those players a lot more effective and you can get in behind defences a lot better with those types of passes. That's from kind of a passing standpoint. From a shooting standpoint, of course, uh, a left-footed shot from the right is an easier curling into the corner, whereas a right-footed shot from the right, you'd have to go kind of near post or across the keeper, but it's going to be curling away from goal naturally. And it's trickier to get a right-footed shot off on the right-hand side. You know, that Fabian Schaal goal for Newcastle, it's you rarely get those types. I know he scored that goal twice and there's kind of a mirror image you can see, but you don't tend to see those types of right-footed strikes because uh, they're much more tricky to, to do. If you have a right-footed right winger, they tend to be more creative than they are kind of dangerous from a shooting perspective because they cross more, they cut back more. Uh, and that's why Arteta loves having versatile players and tries to train up their weaker foot so that players like Martinelli and Saka, despite being inverted, they can get to the touchline and use those cutbacks. Gabriel Martinelli's been doing that really well recently, is getting to the touchline and getting his left-footed cutbacks a lot stronger. That's near of his game they've definitely been working on. Arteta wants ambidextrous players, or ambidextrous players, yeah, uh, as much as he can do. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. If this changes, of course, with Tommy Asu and, and Zinchenko being slightly different fullbacks, it might change the way we invert our wingers. And with Jeremy Pino being linked, he's not an inverted winger. He's a right-footed right winger, so he's more traditional. That could change things. Um, but I hope that gives kind of a, an answer to you, Paul, about the benefits of having inverted wingers as you do. Uh, there you go. No problem. Uh, Philwad says, Tom, if both fully fit, who's your top choice at right-back? White or Tommy? Uh, for me, it's Tommy's the better right-back. Yeah, of course. Look, Tommy's the better right-back. So if they're fully fit, um, Tommy starts. But right now, you don't need to rush Tommy back. We don't need to rush him back. So White starts um, White starts at right back against Leicester. And until Tommy is fully fit, and by that, I think he needs to come off the bench. Look, you can swap Bot White and Tommy out at halftime. If you're holding on to a victory, I don't see any problem with bringing on Tommy instead of White to give kind of White, get some fresh legs into that right back position because what, Harvey Barnes is probably going to be on the left-hand side for Leicester unless he's got an injury. I don't know. Let me just check. I'm pretty sure he just was asked a question. Uh, nothing specific. He's been with the medical team, so we don't have a... Oh, he's not fit. Okay, so Harvey Barnes isn't going to be fit. Who played for Leicester on the left? Uh, like, was it... I nearly said Andre Gray then, but he's gone to Everton, of course. Uh, let's see. Who played on the left last time? James Justin? They played three at the back. James Justin played a wing-back role. Jewsbury Hall played in the left centre-back, left centre-mid role. I mean, they've got... They've got Albrighton, Inacho, Perez, Daka that could technically play on the left. But wow, yeah. I mean, their their team is not inspiring, is it? I mean, Vardy, Madison, of course, very difficult to deal with. But then you've got a midfield of Tielemans and Didi, Dewsbury Hall, Justin and Castagna as wingbacks, Amati Evans and Fafana as a back three. Do you remember when we used to rave back Soyuncu and how we missed out on him? How that profile has fallen so significantly. Uh, quite quite incredible. So, yeah, uh, I think White should be okay. Um, but if we need to bring in Tomiyasu, we'll bring in Tomiyasu. When we go up against wingbacks, we have found it difficult at times. But the thing is, Leicester don't really play with uh, kind of the wingers and wingbacks like Spurs did. And Spurs were really able to kind of expose Arsenal's back four because they played with wingers and wingbacks. So, Sessegnon um, and Son were ripping Cedric and holding apart. On the right-hand side, Kulisevsky and 
was it Emerson, I think, uh, that started the game? They were easily able to get around the outside. Leicester's back wing-back system is very different because they don't have um, the wingers. They have uh, a number 10 playing behind Vardy and they have Jewsbury Hall and Telemans that push forwards. But they don't have the doubling up effect that a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-2-1 has. So we should be okay in dealing with that. But yeah, it's a very weak Leicester side that if we're honest, we should be really getting a comfortable victory over in tomorrow's game at home. The fans are going to be up to it. The team's going to be up for it. It's a big, big game to get three points. Keep that kind of momentum going into the games against Bournemouth and Fulham. That are two teams that are obviously new to the league. And so they're usually a little bit unpredictable. And Liverpool have already suffered a defeat. And Villa have already suffered a defeat. To, sorry, Liverpool already suffered dropping points. And uh, and Bournemouth have already beaten Villa. So they're no mugs. Uh, we need to keep that momentum going. If you falter here, it could be cataclysmic. Uh, I know I like that word a lot. But it could be going into those games. Uh, let's go to uh, Alvi who says, do you think we can uh, do a player plus cash swap with Tillemans and Mainsley? We offered Mainsley to Leicester a couple of years ago and they weren't interested. It might have even been last year. Uh, they weren't interested at all. So it's going to be tricky. Uh, Jake says, do we make a cheeky bid for Dewsbury Hall? He looks great. He's really interesting uh, as a player. He's being slept on, I think, a little bit by people. One to keep an eye on. Uh, Deep Kundu says, is Brook Norton Cuffey going on loan? Is he in training? Uh, he's just signed a brand new contract. So that's a positive. I think he should be being sent on loan to the championship, personally. That's the next step for him. I don't think we need him this season necessarily. I think having Tommy Asu and Wyatt and Saliba and Cedric that are all there. Raw Waters, of course, can play right back and he's got an injury at the moment. So we'll be coming back in a couple of months, supposedly. So, yeah. Um, I would uh, be looking at sending Norton Cuffey on loan to the championship if it's possible. That, I think, is where we're going to wrap things up. Uh, as I did say earlier on in the show, uh, we are going to be doing a preview uh, of the game against uh, Leicester City. I'll be live at 6pm this afternoon with the boys from the Discord server. So make sure you set your alarms uh, and, uh, and tune into Twitter. I'll be tweeting, of course, all the information on that and who are guest panelists will be for the day so that's it i will see you then drop a like on the video please let's try and make it as close as we can to four days four days in a row potentially with a thousand plus likes on the video that would be really really appreciative if you guys could indeed help us out i will see you very very soon and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.